Welcome to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. Listen today as we show you how to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Cassandra Perkins, today on Behind the Mask. I'm so glad that you could join me today. We are joined by two fantastic guests that I have today. I guess you could say they are overcomers. They are truly amazing. We have an amazing, marvelous lineup of of great people. I'm using great vocabulary today. (laughs) I'm having, uh, Jorge, I'm having to look up different synonyms, synonyms on the internet for amazing. It really helps. It really does. You know, I think as a, a radio host and everyone I've talked to can, agree that we get in this rut of using these fallback words like amazing and awesome so I'm having to look up synonyms but it's gonna help me Jorge it really is (laughs) so you know we have amazing people today who there we go again amazing (laughs) who are just overcomers and they have shocking unbelievable stories of just hope and faith And the cool thing about them is they are my generation. They are the younger generation and they are going out there and they were, they're helping not only, you know, inspiring people, but they're inspiring the younger generation, which is a, a, a big deal for me. You know, myself coming from my background where, you know, I was really bullied. I was bullied very severely. And, and, you know, keep in mind, I'm only 18 years old, but, you know, I was bullied very, very severely and became really depressed and really suicidal And because of that, now I'm able to take that and help others and help others who are going through similar situations, which, um, you know, is is a really big opportunity for me. And I just feel so blessed. And that's what I love about my guests for today. Let me tell you about my first guest. We have Dominic Ellerby. He is absolutely incredible. He is an 18 year old senior senior, excuse me, at Denver South High and not long ago was living out of a minivan with his mother and his sister. But through the multi-talented, multi-instrumentalist phenomenon that Dominic is, he is able to take his music and express himself. And through his love of music, he has flipped his future around completely. I'm so blessed to welcome him. Dominic, are you there with us? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Dominic, how's it going? It's going great. Awesome. You know, I'm I'm sad that you couldn't make it into studio today, but you know, we you know, you're here in Colorado, so we're going to have to meet up sometime, maybe, you know, get some lunch or something, uh, you know, my treat and we'll we'll get together and uh, be able to talk because I, I really wanted to meet you. So I'm sad that you couldn't make it here today. But then again, I am so blessed that you're able to be here and, uh, you know, share share your incredible story with my listeners. So thank you so much for being here today, Dominic. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, really, you have just this incredible story of, you know, homelessness. And this is something I was just talking to you a little bit on the phone is, you know, I've watched interviews. I mean, you've been all over all social media, Dominic. And I think that through social media and through the amazing phenomenon that you are, the multi-talented, multi-instrumentalist phenomenon that you are, you have established this incredible future for yourself. And I've seen you all over, you know, the internet. I've seen you on news interviews on all these different things. And I think, you know, I like it when your mom said, you know, she was showing how where you guys used to live in this minivan. And she said, you know, it could never happen to me. And that's when you guys had some complications and you lost your house. And 
that's really how we should all look at it every day because, you know, a similar situation, you know, happened with my dad. You know, my dad was uh, in a horrible, horrible accident just a little bit about a year ago. And he was in a horrible situation and we didn't think he'd be able to work again. My mom doesn't work. Um, You know, my mom isn't well herself. So we had to look back and say, hey, what are we going to give up so we can keep our house and we can we can keep living and we can go to the grocery store and buy food. And we're all just a second away from losing that. And I really love the way that she put it. So, Dominic, for you what was it like at that young age to just everything that you know, that home to just be gone? Um, well, it really it was very difficult initially when it started. Um, I mean, my mom, you know, we lost it because uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time had a, my mom lost her job and her boyfriend said that he would pay the rent. And he ended up not doing it. He spent all of his money on drugs, and he left for like a week, and then we got an eviction notice, and then uh, we kicked out. So then he just kind of moved all around. But it, I don't know, for me, it was just kind of, it was more of a test for me, I think, to get better as a person and build character because um, my mom had been through that before, twice. And uh, this time she was just so upset because I was, you know, 17 and my sister was 12 at the time. And, you know, it was just so upsetting to have us be like that. Wow. I mean, did you did you just recently um, turn 18 years old? Because you were 17 when this kind of all took place, correct? Well, when it first, first started, I was 16. But um, I just turned 18 in October in 2014. So Wow. So, you know, roughly as a, a freshman or a sophomore in high school, when this is all kind of going down, what was it like for you? I mean, just, you know, the realization of losing everything that you know is so difficult and something not even a lot of us want to sit down and imagine. I mean, you had your family, which, you know, thank God, I think that's just a special, unique bond right there. But, you know, and you had music, which is something we'll get into in just uh, just a few minutes. But what was the realization for you to look back and just everything that you have known is now gone? Really, what what was the feelings that went through your mind during this time in your life? Um, well, honestly, it's just kind of hard to believe. I mean, my family's never really had a lot, but we always had a house, you know, and um, I know I was sort of used to that. And at the time, I used to always have friends come over every weekend um, and hang out or whatever, and it'll be cool. But when uh, everything went down, it was just, it was pretty rough. I mean, it took some getting used to, because all, all I had, we had to put all of our stuff in the storage unit, and all I had with me during that entire time was um, my acoustic guitar, my backpack, and then like a bag of clothes. So wow. that was it. Wow. I mean, that that's something that's very special right there is that you had your music through all this. And really, that's where your story is, is through your music. But for you, did it kind of put your life into perspective? I mean, I think we take for granted what we have each day. And this is something, you know, I've realized just from volunteering with homeless, homeless people. And, uh, you know, looking at them, they really don't have anything. And it just puts my life into perspective saying, you know, I have it very, 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 very well with what I have. And I have a loving family and I have food to eat each night and I have a place to go shower. For you, was was it 
kind of putting your life into perspective at this point? Yeah, in a sense. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, I never, I I always knew that it was going to be like this, at least until I went to school, like college or something, and made something of myself. Hmm. Um, But I didn't think it would ever get that bad because my mom is a pretty hard worker. And when all that happened, it just, uh, I guess it really did put it in perspective. I didn't really know everything that I had and how good I had it and how nice everything was, especially when it got really rough when we would like, we stayed out in Brighton for a while and I still had to go to the South. Um, we were in Brighton and then Castle Rock and then far from South all the time. And it was pretty rough then. And it just made me realize how nice it was to, to have a place where I could go walk somewhere and catch a, this one bus and take like a half hour ride to school and then get there. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was gone, it would take four hours in the morning or something. Wow. It was pretty bad. Wow. You know, I think the, the fact that you were able to, to continue on with school is just so, so unique and such a cool part of your story. But, you know, you mentioned that your friends used to come over each week and you'd hang out with your friends all the time. And, you know, something that your mom said is your mom sent you and your sister, you know, off to live with family, off to live with friends. Um, and even you, you were, ca- you were crashing on friends couches for, you know, summers to just a week at a time. So for you with your friends, what, what was that like with your friends? You know, what was the realization for them? Were they, were they supportive of you? Were they there for you at that, at that time? Uh, yeah, at the time, every single one of my, my best friends that I had, had offered me a room, a bed, um, or their couch, which was the best most of them could offer. Um, and not only that, they all talked to their parents about it and saw, saw that it was okay. I stayed actually with um, every single one of my friends at the time. One I stayed with over the summer. One I stayed with through the remainder of the second semester of my sophomore year. And then one I stayed with from the beginning of my junior year uh, all the way till late second semester junior year when I finally got a place. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, they were all, they were there for me. They really were not just as a housing support, but also just really as friends. And I mean, sometimes it would be hard to, hard to realize that I was living with them because they always just seemed that we were hanging out and it was great. (laughs) I love that you had that support behind you from your friends. I mean, that is so special, but through all this, you know, like I mentioned just in the in the start of my show, you know, I, w- I was bullied very, very severely for being different and um, for not fitting in like everyone else. Did you get any of the, the a similar reaction or did you just get just love and, and positivity or did you get any negative energy from from people in your school? Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I've never really had enemies um, ever or people that really thought of me as something negative. I mean, the only thing I used to ever be bullied about was um, my weight when I was younger. I was actually I was actually pretty heavy, um, and I'd be made fun of for that. But I sort of slimmed down at the end of eighth grade, um, and everything was cool. But during that time, my my homeless period, uh, I didn't really tell anybody, so no one really knew about it. I mean, people knew that I was kind of poor because I would show up in the same clothes for like a week, but 
that was really it. Wow. Well, you know, I think I think the fact that you know you're getting so much support and so much love now is something that is so unique and so special. And and looking at your story, the fact that you you got that love and that support, and I you know I think it's sad that you know, sometimes people don't get that love and support from their family or support from their friends. But, you know, the the real point of this story and your story is that you are just a musical genius. <laughs> and that's the way I've heard you've been described. <laughs> that's the way I've heard people, um, you know, refer to you is that you're a musical genius. And, you know, I think that's where the story starts is with your love for music. So we do have to take a break really quickly. Um, but when we return, Dominic, we're going to talk more to you about your music and your love for music. So Dominic, stay tuned and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Michael Strahan. I used to run over offensive lines and sack quarterbacks, so I know how important it is to be able to breathe well. But for the millions of people living with COPD, catching a breath is a real struggle. COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema. Over time, it makes you feel like you're breathing through a straw. COPD is the fourth leading cause of death in the U.S. It kills one person every four minutes, and it took my uncle. An estimated 24 million Americans may be affected, but as many as half of them don't even know it. We have to beat the clock to spread the word about this serious disease. If you're 35 or older and have ever smoked, you might be at risk, but there are steps you can take to improve your symptoms. I'm Michael Strahan, and I drive for COPD. Join the movement at driveforcopd.com. Take our five-question screener and talk to your doctor. How was your day? What did you do in school? I'm Carrie Dahlman, president of the Colorado Education Association, and these two simple questions can encourage learning in your home. Showing interest and asking about the school day can help motivate your children and keep them excited about learning. So stay involved, stay curious, and ask specific questions. Student success involves the whole family. Sponsored by the Colorado Education Association and aired in cooperation with the Colorado Broadcasters Association. Colorado's adoptive families encounter unique challenges every single day. The good news is the Colorado Post-Adoption Resource Center, COPARC, is here to help. From support groups and newsletters to workshops and financial aid, community resources are now available for families who have adopted children through the child welfare system. My husband and I were able to pay for respite care and spend time together that we desperately needed. It has really helped keep our family strong. The parenting workshops help me deal with the everyday issues of adoption. I'm a more supportive father because of them. Finding a support group is a godsend. It is emotionally uplifting to know there are folks who truly understand what we are going through. A friendly voice and a network of services to support adoptive families. COPARC is funded by the Colorado Department of Human Services and the Adoption Exchange. For more information, visit adoptex.org or call one 800 451 5246. You're listening to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? 
welcome back to the show, everyone. I am joined by Dominic Ellerby. He is a 18-year-old senior at Denver South High and not long ago was living homeless. But the astonishing part of this story is his love for music and how that got established and really how it has flipped his future around to the person that he is today. Dominic, are you still there with us? Yes, ma'am. Hey, Dominic, how's it going? Again, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Of course, yeah. So really, before the break, we were talking really what your story is. And, you know, you were living homeless. You were living in a minivan um, with your mom and your sister after you lost your home. Um, You know, you you were living and crashing on couches of friends for weeks at a time. But now you have flipped that all around and, you know, with your love for music. So really, I want to know, you know, people call you a, a music phenomenon. Where does this love for music come from and, and how did you find it? Um, well, I didn't, I hadn't really started playing music until my freshman year. Um, I, before that, I was just into hip hop and stuff. Um, and... Well, I had an Xbox, and I got Guitar Hero 3, and I ended up being really, really good at Guitar Hero 3, <laughs> so I decided I wanted to play a real instrument, because I loved the music in it so much. I was introduced to, like, rock and, like, metal and indie and stuff, so I started playing it, and then I got a real bass, and then I just loved it so much, and then practiced all the time, but I found it kind of boring learning other people's songs, so then I learned my own and made my own, and then wrote my own stuff. Wow. And then that kind of got me to where I am today. Wow. So I just love that it all started from Guitar Hero. I mean, that is priceless. I mean, that, you know, and the fact that you were introduced to new songs is just so cool and so unique. But, you know, really, from what I've seen of you and what I've heard of you, you know, in school, you are very musically involved in, in your school at, at Denver um, South High. So will you kind of explain, you know, how you are involved with music at your school? You know, what do you do at your school? Oh, well, at school, I do the national anthem on guitar sometimes. Uh, I am in all the school musicals. I am in the jazz band, the honors jazz band. I teach sometimes the beginner guitar class, beginner piano class. Uh, and I'm in drumline, and I also teach drumline. Um, yeah, and I pretty much just do music all the time. I've been in citywide bands, citywide orchestra, citywide jazz. Um, I have a band. I mean, we, I, I just do pretty much every anything at the school that has music in it. Wow. I pretty much just do because it's fun and right. it's awesome. Right, yeah, and I think... Um, when I, I find someone who, who truly has a passion and a passion for what they're doing, um, I, I love to share that on my show, show, such as yourself. You know, you have this this story where, you know, in, in a sense, you know, people looking at you from the outside can say that you were at rock bottom. You know, and when a lot of people think of that, they, they think that could be a potential rock bottom. Um, and, I, and I really think that when I find someone who has overcome just 
horrible, horrible situations and is now has a passion and is super passionate about what that is. I, I love to share that on my show. So, you know, that's one of the reasons that I had you on today. And I really think that you're going to inspire so many people on my on my show. And, you know, I already know that you've inspired people, you know, in your life. But, you know, I, I think one of the, you know, the reason I actually found you was I saw on the news that you actually were able to put together a musical for your school and that's that's the reason that I found you and then heard more about you and your story and was just hooked so can you tell me a little bit about you know you you composed this musical everything um and your your theater teacher gave you that opportunity so can you can you tell me about that story uh yeah actually well um it all spawned from my freshman year like I said when I first started playing um I actually had played football uh, for South, and then I got a concussion, and my mom was really worried about me, so she kind of took me out, and I was like, but mom, and uh, she put me in theater, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. So I did the theater stuff to play, and then I got to the musical in the spring, and I absolutely loved it. We did Evita, and it was like the best thing in the world. And uh, so then I was like, huh, I really want to write one of those. But, you know, it wasn't a serious idea or anything. And then sophomore year, I was uh, in both the play and the musical again. And I and once again enjoyed the musical so much, I sort of brought it up to Mr. Rinaldi, which was my, my drama teacher at South. Um, and I brought it up to her, and she said, yeah, well, you know, we'll do it, sure. And I was like, oh, okay. But she, I don't think she really took me seriously. So in my junior year, one day, uh, we have these poetry slams at school. And I had slammed that night, and um, and then I did uh, the open mic. But on the open mic, I played the upright bass, but I played it with a bow and with my fingers. And I also danced with it at the same time and told a story that I really wanted to tell. And she found that really interesting. And as I was walking off the stage, she called me a genius, and that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And I was like, oh, well, thank you, Mr. Naldi. And then she talked to me soon after that and said, hey, that musical you're talking about, I, I think what, I want to see that. Where is it? And I want to do that. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get it to you as soon as possible. And at this point, I had nothing started on it or even any idea of what it was. So then um, I went to the Berkeley College of Music's five-week summer performance program, and that's where I got really my first musical training of any kind. Mm. Uh, and I learned and studied and practiced there. And then when I got back, I sort of had all the stuff in my head and ideas of what I wanted to do. And then uh, Thanksgiving break this in 2014 uh, for DPS, I pretty much just wrote the entire script, choreographed it all in my head, uh, wrote all the music, edited all the music, um, and did everything for it. And then I showed it to her, and she absolutely loved it. And then I showed it to the cast, and they loved it, and it was great. And it turned out to be something really nice. Wow. I mean th that right there is some is is very very special. I mean I, I really really love that that you know, your school came together and was able to support you. And you know I I love your your theater teacher and that she was able to, to establish that. And I think that right there gives teachers a very good reputation. Um, that you know that she was able to support you and support who you are. And you know through that I was able to find you. And hopefully now your story can get out to more people. So, you know, I think everything happens for a reason, and, and I love that. Uh, so, Dominic, 
also you have just this amazing future ahead of you if it's you know in music or whatever you want to do I think you know go for it because I think you just are so brilliant and you have such an amazing future in front of you so really what does in your opinion the future hold for you well for me uh I'll be quite honest with you um I feel like I will um, I actually just got accepted into the Berklee College of Music in Boston, which is one of the top music schools in the world. Um, and I'm going there for composition and bass performance. And I'm going to get my degree, my major in both of those, uh, my master's in that. Um, and from there, I'm going to try to perform my works with uh, the Boston Pops Orchestra, the London Symphony Orchestra, the New York Philharmonic, you know, all the really big or, uh, orchestral groups around the world. Wow. Um, and then I want to play with a bunch of the jazz greats, uh, the guys at Jazz at Lincoln Center in New York. They're amazing. Um, and then I want to, you know, I'd like to try to write some more shows, some more musicals, and get them put up on Broadway. Um, and, you know, I have my I have my band, and we're Grand Central, and we, like, tour Denver and stuff right now. So it's cool, and I want to turn that into something nice. Um but after that, I want to be financially secure and have, like, a family and stuff. But um, really, my ultimate goal in life is to go to Mars and uh, go to space, or at least the moon. You know, something involving space. Because if I didn't have music, I'd, I'd, love, I'd be literally Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist right now. I'd, wow. I'd try to be anyway. Because I love space, like, so much more than almost anything. Wow. I mean, well, you sound you like you just have such a bright future ahead of you. And I just think that that right there is so cool and, and so phenomenal that you're able to, to look back and kind of look what you've been through. And, and it's very shocking to me, you know, that someone your age, you know, you're the same as old as me, you're 18 and I am as well, that we can now help others and inspire others, Dominic. And I think that's really what it's about. And that's, you know, what I got from your story is inspiration and hope. So, you know, also congratulations on, on getting accepted into college. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so exciting. I'm, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. So Ab much. Absolutely. So we have about like 30 seconds left. So if you were going to say, you know, words of wisdom to anybody listening, what would you say to them? I would say, no matter what happens and no matter how bad it gets, it always gets better. It really does, no matter what. Right. I think that's the way that the universe works. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%, Dominic. And, you know, in my situation where I was really dark in my life, you know, that, that light at the end of the tunnel was non-existent for me. It wasn't there and it didn't exist. But over time, I saw that light at the end of the tunnel. And now, you know, that light is my life. That's what I live on a daily basis. Dominic, thank you so much for joining me on my show today. And I am serious about going and getting something to eat or something. We're, we're going to have to meet up and, and say hello to each other. But thank you so much for being on my show today, Dominic. That would be great. And thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Absolutely. And I'll talk to you very soon. Awesome. All right. Have a great day. You as well, Dominic. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you guys want to know more about Dominic as well as who I am, you can go to my website, CassandraPerkinsRadio.com.
watching people drive by T-Mac on the radio Got so much on your mind Nothing's really going right Looking for a ray of hope Let's rejoin Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. You're an overcomer. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We were just talking to Dominic Elberby, Ellerby, excuse me. Um, we were talking about homelessness and how he has found his future and his path through the love of music. If you want to know more about him or you missed the show, hey, you can listen Saturday at 10 a.m. Um, to the rebroadcast of the show as well as Saturday at 6.30 on KLTT 6.70 a.m. You can listen there as well um, to the rebroadcast of the first half hour of the show. Hey, if you want to get involved in our conversation, feel free to call us. You can call 303-477-2473 and feel free to ask us any questions. Get involved in our conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that's 303 303- My next guest is definitely an overcomer. He is incredible, and I I can't wait to introduce him. You know, I think I'm going to hurry on this because I don't think half an hour is enough. (laughs) I mean, we have so much to talk about. Let me tell you a little bit about who Jonathan is. 
Looking at Jonathan, he looks like a normal 22-year-old guy, successful and intelligent, which that he is. But look a little closer and get to know Jonathan and his story, and you'll find something you would never notice. At the young age of 10 years old, Jonathan got into an accident caused by a drunk driver resulting in a TBI, traumatic brain injury. He has had to overcome obstacles in his life, but now has a plan for a big future. Jonathan, are you there? Yes, Cassandra, I am. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I, I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for, for joining us today and for coming on my show to, to talk with me. I mean, we talked earlier this morning on the phone and, you know, we you just have so much to say and you are so intelligent. And, uh, you know, I, I just love everything and all the input that you have on your point of views on just life in general. And I would love you to, you know, share that with me. Also, if you guys want to know more about Jonathan, you can go to my website, CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. So, Jonathan, let's start out, you know, um, I was talking a little bit at the beginning of the show about how my father was actually um, in a, he's a traumatic brain injury survivalist, you know, we say, and, uh, you know, March is, you know, it's the 31st and it's the end of TBI Awareness Month, which is just so special. But when I heard your story, you know, through Veronica Seitz, which she was on my show as well, and Veronica, thank you so much for connecting us because this kid is amazing. Um, but, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just think that you you know you have such a special story and that's something that you know we have in common and I've kind of lived that with that through my dad and you know seeing how he's had to learn everything again and how he does struggle constantly still and he has little things that he struggles with but you know really I want to know you know start from the beginning and really know how the story of your accident changed your life absolutely well first off thank you thank you so much for having me um so uh, I'm Texas-born, grew up and in, in, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Uh, God has always been first in my life, uh, even when I was younger. Uh, around that time, uh, in, in 2002 of December, uh, we had been traveling around, my brother and I, with our worship team at our church. Uh, we were very involved, and uh, that that month, we had been traveling around different malls around the uh, Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, really sharing the true meaning of Christmas through music and dance. And that night, we had been performing at a mall in Plano, and we were simply, uh, me and my family were driving home, everyone except for my dad, and uh, we we were hit, unfortunately, by a underage drunk driver. Um, he was twice over the legal limit. Um, and, you know, I I was the most severely hurt that survived uh, in our, our car. Uh, my mom was severely hurt. My brother was unharmed, thankfully. My sister was was harmed a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, by, by the God's grace, uh, I survived. Everybody in our car survived. The uh, very sad part is we were actually the second car that was hit that night. Uh, the first car, which uh, was driven by a seventh-month pregnant woman, she was killed instantly. And uh, her car had been sent into our van. Our van was then projected seven feet into midair and then finally crash-landed on another vehicle. So that's that's really what I was told at a later time. Obviously, when when the wreck happened, I, I blacked out. I don't remember anything. Um, I had woken up three days later in the hospital. So everything that I'm telling you right now, I had been told at a later time. So um, that's that's basically what, what happened then. From there, uh, I was in an induced coma for about three days in the ICU at Dallas Children's Medical Center, uh, spent 
only miraculously about two and a half weeks through the Children's Hospital and the Children's Rehabilitation Center before I was released for uh, to go home that year. I actually got to spend Christmas that year at home and, you know, went through the outpatient therapy process. And even to this day, I still go back for a yearly, you know, evaluation with a brain health center that's in Dallas. Um, I've been going there ever since I was 11, you know, and they're, they test me with memory, with cognitive stuff, just trying to do daily activities and daily tasks. A lot of stuff that I'm sure your dad still struggles with to this day. Um, you know, then they, they've been a huge, uh, support system for me. I'm so thankful to have them, but yeah, I just, you know, I, and obviously as I'm saying to this, all saying all this to you right now, I don't have a note card. I don't have a piece of paper. All this is on, on my heart. And it's mm-hmm. over 12 years ago that all this happened to me. So, you know, I, you know, I truly believe that my life was saved and restored for a reason. And even though I still struggle to this day, I have overcome everything that I struggle with because of God's grace and because mm-hmm. of his faithfulness to me. So, wow. or um, my faithfulness to him, I should say. Wow. You know, I, I just think that is so beautiful in itself is, you know, God did give you another chance and, you know, nothing's by accident and everything's for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, that's a very cliche kind of phrase, but it's yeah. true. Not Everything happens for a reason in the grace of God. And I am so glad that you are able to be here today and now you're able to share your story and, you know, rest in peace to those others, you know, that lost their life. And, you know, um, the lady who lost her her life as well as, you know, she was pregnant as well and lost the baby, which is sad in itself. But, you know, I, I think that you're able to be here today and share this story which is so in so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're able to share that with my audience because I, I think it's something that people need to hear. But, you know, for you, what did you have to learn again in your life? I mean, we talked a little bit before on the phone. You know, you're you're struggling constantly still today. You know, you have struggles. You're you're not perfect and you have struggles that you still have to deal with. You know, what what did you have to learn again? So when I woke up in the hospital, I was paralyzed from the waist down. I couldn't move my left arm. Um, I couldn't at that point eat. I needed a feeding tube. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bathe or dress myself without needing help. So I had to relearn how to do all of that stuff, um, slowly, but I did eventually relearn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, uh, it's more, you know, cognitively that I still, work on, um, on a daily basis. You know, I, I try to read as much as I can. I try to do certain things to where I'm trying to think deeper. Uh, but you know, uh, back then I, I had been going through constant physical and speech therapy and, you know, that, that was really, uh, it was really tough, you know, being 10 years old and having to do this stuff how having to relearn how to do it all over again. And the emotional trauma of that, was you know indescribable indescribable i couldn't even describe it to you how um how much it hurt me just to know that i may never walk again i may never may need assistance for the rest of my life Hmm. uh but you know i just you know the lord comforted me and i just stayed faithful to him uh and you know through the love and support of my family and friends who were with me i i rose up from a coma i woke up I was 
at one night laying in my hospital bed, just simply watching a movie. Nobody was in the room. Um, I had been paralyzed at that point, and I felt the Holy Spirit come into my room. And I'd heard, I'm not even exaggerating, I heard a voice say to me, get up and walk. And I, I still remember to this day, I'll always remember it, because I got my legs out of the bed, put them on the floor, and held on to the bedpost. And from that point, I either was going to fall down flat on my face, or this was going to be a miracle in the making. And by God's grace, again, it was a miracle. <laughs> I, felt, I felt strength flow through my legs with every small step I took. And, you know, from that point on, I was able to walk. I eventually was able to run as well, like I do today. And, you know, that that was just something I'll, I'll never forget because, you know, it it was just, it, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy wow. Spirit saved me and restored me. Um, so, you know, but to, to answer your question, I, you know, the paralysis, overcoming paralysis was a very tough struggle for me. Um you know, the, the speech therapy stuff, I, I struggled with severely when I was in the hospital or when I was at the rehab center. Um, and I still have progressed over time. Some, some years I've been like average, but you know, I still work to this day on that mainly. So, wow. you know, I, I think being a young child, you know, at the age of 10 years old and having to sit back and look at this and overcome this. I mean, that, that right there is takes incredible strength. And, you know, the fact that God was able to give you that strength and you, you had that faith in God is something, you know, I saw with my father as well is that he had that mm-hmm. faith in God and he had that connection to God, which is honestly the reason I think he got through it. And he, you know, as I truly believe that is the reason that he, came out on top and is practically completely normal in every way possible. So, you know, I I love that you have your faith and you're able to now take that and establish that into something so much greater. And, you know, one of the biggest things, um, Jonathan, we have to take a break in just a few minutes, but I think, I think we are doing so well. Let's just skip it because I mean, if you're up to that, because I I really think we have so much to talk about and I I really want to skip it. So for those of you just joining us, we are talking to Jonathan Swiatoka. Um, He suffered a traumatic brain injury from a drunk driver at the age of young age of 10 years old. But, you know, by the grace of God, (laughs) he's sitting here talking to us today. So um, and he's sharing his story of hope and faith. Now, for you. Was this confusing at, you know, now you're 22 years old, correct? Yes. So was at the age of 10 years old, was this confusing to you, you know, a drunk driver? And that's something we can get into in just a few minutes about the drunk driver. But, you know, at the age of 10 years old, did you realize what was going on? Uh, You know, it's it, it's not funny, haha, but I, I I still, you know, over the years have had flashbacks of kind of memories of, you know, the physical trauma, you know, the the migraines, the the times where I could barely sleep, the times where I would just break out hysterically crying. And one point, I really remember it. And if my mom's listening, she'll she'll definitely remember it too. I I had just woken up from a coma, and uh, my dad was with me. He he stayed with me through the whole hospital uh, experience, but she my dad handed me the phone and as soon as I heard my mom's voice, I just started to break out hysterically crying. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't even talk to her that, 
and she just said, Hey Jay, Hey honey. I, I just, and I think really the emotional trauma, I'm getting a little emotional right now as I'm talking about this, uh, uh, the emotional trauma of what had happened to, to me, to my mom, to my siblings, it just really hit me and hit me in my heart. And I think, you know, that happened again another time. Um, but no, that was, that was just, you know, devastating just to, to have had to endure that. But, you know, it's, it was just the, the love of, of God and the mm-hmm. love of the people who were around me that got me through it. And, you know, it was, but that was definitely, you know, uh, an emotional moment for me, um, yeah. after, after the tragedy that happened to, to many families that night. So, wow. You know, I, I think you have such a, a bright future ahead of you and you're only 22 years old, which is so crazy to me. And you, you sound and I guarantee you've heard this a million times, but you sound so much older and more mature. And I, I just think you are just so mature and so intelligent. And it's unbelievable to hear what you've been through and how you're now putting that into your future. But, you know, you're, you know, this is something we'll talk about. And I have one more question before we get into this. But, you know, you're going to go on to qualify for, you know, the first Olympic athlete with a traumatic brain injury, which is so incredible. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But something you mentioned to me on the phone and something I've read about is that you met this this guy who was drunk in 2012, I believe, if I'm if I'm um, correct. And yes. you forgave this man, which is so that that's God right there. I mean, that's God that you were able to forgive him. So what was that experience like for you? Well, uh, that actually is probably one of the most uh, asked questions when I go and speak, whether it's to a school or really just to young people in general, what it was like to, to meet the young man who hit you and who nearly killed you. Um, it was just really God that made that meeting happen. Um, it's just it's a long story of how it happened, but you know, being two feet away from somebody who changed your life forever was definitely uh, I'll definitely remember that. Mm-hmm. But you know, he he spent five years in prison for the wreck in 2002, so he was out of prison when we met him. Uh, he was it was during his probation sentence, but he you know we as soon as he came into the room, he just started weeping. He you could see the remorse on his face about what had happened. And the very first words I said to him was that I forgive you. I've forgiven mm-hmm. you. I forgave you when I woke up in the hospital. I've never wanted vengeance. I've never wanted revenge on you. Uh, and and that's through my faith. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, as a believer, I would be more wrong for not forgiving him, for even though he did something to me, um, if I were to want revenge or hate him or anything like that. Wow. But, uh, you know, he... He said he had a come to Jesus meeting in prison. He had turned his life around. He was engaged to his fiance at the time. He had a full time job and he had been attending AA meetings. And so, you know, it was a really emotional meeting. Uh, and then at the end of it, believe it or not, we uh, exchanged phone numbers, my family and him, to to go and to share our whole story from the uh, the victim side and from the offender side, wow. uh, which was really really great. Um, and then, you know then that things changed a few months later. So, Wow. 
that that's just so impactful that you were able to forgive him. And I love now that you're, you're speaking to youth about your story and they're just so curious about stuff like that. And, you know, we were, we were talking about this earlier today about how they're, they're so curious about forgiveness and, and forgiving someone who hurt you or, you know, who put you in the hospital for that case. And that takes a very strong faith for you to be able to forgive someone like that. But, you know, now I, you know, I look at every situation as, as, you know, as well as mine, that if I didn't go what through, I went with, let me start over. If I didn't go (laughs) with what I went through, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be sitting in this studio. I I know this for an absolute fact. I wouldn't be sitting in this studio. I wouldn't be as outgoing as I am today. I wouldn't be as, you know, kind. I wouldn't have as much faith in God. I wouldn't love life and people the way that I do now. And I wouldn't meet amazing people like you every day of my life. So, you know, I went through that and I honestly believe, Jonathan, that you went through your situation for a reason. And I, you know, I've said that in the you know beginning of our segment, but now you have just such an incredible bright future ahead of you. And I've, I'd love to get into that. You know, you're a distance runner and you, your goal. And I know that it's, it's not even a goal. It's just, it's just a set thing that's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Uh-huh. You're going to be the first person with a traumatic brain injury to qualify for the Olympics. I mean, where did that come from? Well, uh, you know, I'm thankful, very thankful uh, to call myself a runner, a distance runner. And I tell people that every single day because they ask me, are you, oh, you look like a runner. I say, <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I'm very thankful to be because of where I started from. I was once paralyzed from the waist down. So, you know, that's my motivation every single day when I get up and the weather's terrible or I don't feel good. Um, but, you know, for, for me, uh, I've just always wanted to, to strive to, to try and be the best I can be, whether it's in athletics or school or just life in general. Um, I'm a very humble person, very humble in athletics and uh, just as a person in general. Uh, but the, the Olympics thing, I, I watch the uh, Summer Olympics every four years. You know, track and field, I love to I enjoy watching it. I probably could watch it every day if I could. Mm. But the the goal of qualifying for the Olympics has just been a goal of mine ever since really I started into high school. Um, and, you know, being like now I think is 10 years that I've been running. I just, you know, as a, as a young 22 year old, I feel like I really can, can inspire others through, through my running, even with my, my story now as a speaker. So, you know, I just, I work hard every single day. I don't, I do have off days, but every single day I just remembered my goal. It's the same thing as speaking. I remember my goal and what I'm working towards. Yeah. And I just, I let that be my uh, motivation. I believe that the Lord will, will give me the strength to run the race that's set before me mm-hmm. and it'll be in his timing. So, you know, I say it's a goal, but I do, I truly believe in my heart and all my soul that it will happen. I do too. I think so as well. I think God has big plans for you and a big future for you. And, you know, from what, even what he's established now, you know, even now, Um, another thing you're doing is you're speaking. And I, I think that's a very, very good thing for you to do. And if, you know, you asked me what I, advice I would give you earlier, and if you weren't a speaker, I was going to say be a speaker, but you speak <laughs> and you're speaking to people. What kind of audiences are you speaking to? And really, what kind of message are you telling them? So, uh, yes, I've been speaking about a little over a year. And 
mainly the audiences I've spoken to are a lot of high schools, middle schools, young adult type things. Uh, that's really my, my target audience because of the need, uh, since I am a young person. I've, I've spoken many times to uh, the naval base out here in Fort Worth, Texas, a couple of churches, uh, really just anywhere that I can speak and share my, my message of, of faith and, and perseverance and hope. I, I, I take every opportunity I can, and I'm very thankful for them. Uh, the, the message I want to get across to people is that you can, you, excuse me, you can overcome any obstacle that you face, and you can find victory through it. Um, but only if you run to Christ, only if you run to the direction that will help you overcome it. You know, it's not running to alcohol or drugs or a person necessarily. It's running to the one who can get you through it because of what he did for us over 2,000 years ago. Mm. You know, so that's, that is what the movement that I've created, Run to Victory, means. Um, and I feel like it's very important uh you know, since it relates back to my running, that you can, you know, if you're fearful, if you're angry, if you're prideful, if you have an addiction, you can overcome it, but only by, you know, the Lord, committing your whole life to the Lord and staying faithful to Him. Wow. So that's that's really the message that I get across to people when I when I speak. You know, I don't when I, when I speak and I share my story, you know. I don't want it all to be, it's not about me. It's not about my family. It's not about, you know, my credentials or anything. It's about how by Jesus Christ, I am here. I was restored and I'm being used right now to help others and help save other people, you know, not only internally, but eternally as well. That's Mm -hmm. more important. So, you know, as a, as a young person, I feel like I can really make an impact on younger people. Um, just because, you know, in our in our society, in our generation, me and yours, Cassandra, uh, you know, getting high, getting wasted, um, sleeping around, all of that is accepted. And, you know, as as believers, we need to stick together and encourage one another to not get involved, not be tempted by that, because the temptation is going to be there as long as sin is still in the world. Right. So we just, you know... We need to unite and not be ashamed of Jesus, of our faith, and, wow. you know, just continue to live faithful. Right. And, you know, I, I love that, you know, it's our generation and we're speaking to our generation, too, and the younger generation, which is where they need to hear it from. They need to hear it from us. They need to hear it from people like you and people like me. Um because, you know, anyone can get up on stage, you know, any adult and no offense adults, but, you know, you guys can get up on stage and say, (laughs) my producer is like, what, what? (laughs) Uh, You know, anyone can get up on stage and say, no, kids, don't do that. Drugs are bad. You know, blah, 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 blah. Well, you're just being an adult. You're just being parent. You're just being my mom. You're just saying that because, you know, it's it's the excuses with teens. But when another another child, another person, our age, our younger generation, another peer is getting up and telling them, you know, this isn't okay. You know, this shouldn't be accepted and that you should live life for God and to love God. I mean, what a powerful message that you have and that you're able to share with others. So we have, you know, really about a minute left. What is something, you know, if you were just talking to someone, you know, it's just one-on-one and, you know, they're really struggling. What is something, you know, that you would tell them to give them encouragement? What would your words of wisdom be? My words of wisdom to anybody who's listening to this is that I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to be angry, to be fearful, 
to be consumed by something and, you know, just want to end your life. There was a period of time where I just wanted to end everything and go be with the Lord because I wanted all the pain and suffering to go away. But that is not the answer. All of us have meaning in our life and all of us are here for a purpose. And we are all called to do something. And I want everybody to realize we honor God when we honor our calling. And that is the most, those are always going to be the words of wisdom that I share with somebody is just to not live by fear, live by faith. Wow. So that's that's the message that I would get across to people. And that is a powerful message, to say the least. Wow. And it that just is so mature coming from you and who you are. And it just means the world to even me to hear that coming from where you've been and where you've been in your life. I mean, you are a very inspiring person, Jonathan. And I just want to thank, thank you, you so much for being on my show today and, and sharing your story. I, I really appreciate it. And we'll have to have you back on in the future and, and talk more with you and, you know, about your running and everything that you're doing. I just can't wait to see what you're doing in the future. So Jonathan, thank you so much for, for joining me and we will absolutely stay in touch. Thank you, Cassandra. Absolutely. Can't wait. Uh, Absolutely, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Hey, if you guys want to know more about Jonathan, you can go to my website, CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. Also, you can find more about me as well as what I'm doing with the show on there as well. I want to thank all of you so much for joining me today. We had some amazing guests, and really they've inspired me, and I hope today that they've inspired you. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. And as always, love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. To reach Cassandra or to learn more about her ministry and work, visit CassandraPerkinsRadio.com or look her up on Facebook. Listen again every Tuesday from 4 to 5 plus the Saturday morning encore at 10 a.m. Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins right here on 810KLVZ where love lives. Open the